You guys may be seated. We're so happy to be here right there where you're at. Just uh, bow your head. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, you're the best preacher that I know. Come and preach to us. Come and speak to us, Lord. This morning, we worship you. We honor you. And Father, we want to hear from you. I ask these things in your name. Amen and amen. We're so happy to be here. I am a product of the Red Door. Baptized my, all my kids at, uh, at the Red Door through uh, when we were at uh, Greg Solis' home. So we are so happy to be here. We, six months ago, we opened up a church called Lifehouse. And the, we're, we're a product of you guys. And uh, it's been six months. God is doing beautiful things. Last night we had our service. We're, we rented a Church 212. And uh, we, we dedicated five babies last night. People have been accepting Christ. People have been getting baptized. We have a junior high and high school ministry. We have a beautiful children's ministry. And we have services every week. And I was telling one of the brothers here, it's funny because when you don't expect anything, everything becomes a gift. And God has been giving gifts to us every weekend. People come to our church hungry. So I want to welcome you, and we're so happy to be here. I want to talk about family connection, just how, uh, just a show of hands. How, how, many, how many are the oldest of your family? How many are the oldest? There's a lot of us there, a lot of us. I have a word for you. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> Mom and dad didn't leave you in charge. <laughs> you can't boss everybody around. How many, how many are, the, are the youngest? I'm the youngest of my family. Youngest. Okay, okay. I have a word for you. Yeah. Yeah, you got away with murder. Mom and dad got tired of disciplining, so you got away with murder. How many are the middle child? Middle child. Oh, there's a lot of middle childs here. Middle child, let me tell you something. God knows your name because everybody else forgot it. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Let me tell you something. Uh, I'm going. I want to talk about uh, uh, dysfunctional families. There is not no perfect family. You can be a Christian under a roof and not have a Christian home. James Clear uh, said this: you, you don't raise to the level of your goals. You fall to the levels of your culture. A lot of us have fallen to the levels of our culture. And if, you, if you're writing stuff down, I'm going to throw a lot of one-liners here this morning so you can write some stuff down. In other, word, in other words, you, you can have all the goals that your family is going to be loving, accepting, forgiving. And it's going to be a united family. But if you don't put the culture in place, it's not going to happen naturally. It's not. We weren't the only dysfunctional family. It started with Adam and Eve. And God, play, uh, God uh, made Adam. Then he... Then he threw some barbecue and uh, took a rib from his side, and, and he, he created Eve. And he placed him in the garden. And he says, hey, he says, uh, procreate, uh, uh, multiply. And they did, and they, they had two beautiful boys. But that's where the first dysfunctional home happened, when Cain killed Abel. That's, it started right off the bat in Genesis. They were dysfunctional since the beginning. The order that God put in place is perfect. But as our culture, we've forgotten what the order of God is. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 9, it says this, Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. He says, give them in, uh, get them inside of you and get them inside of your children. 
Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home and walking in the streets. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to, to when you fall uh, into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and in your city gates. This is creating a culture of rules and limits that we need so badly in our homes. This is, the, this is not about power. It's not about space or, 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 or this is about protection and boundaries in the family. Boundaries that we need so much. Freedom to stop from any abuse. It, it's the parent's job to teach the children to follow rules and set boundaries. And, and boundaries is about physical, emotional, spiritual space. It's, it's a stuff parents need to teach their children to stop any form of abuse. Once they become adults, there are many factors that can disconnect the family. I want to talk about a couple of them uh, real quickly. I want to talk uh, about uh, four threats that disconnect the family. The first one is no secret. It's infidelity. Infidelity. The act of betraying a person who you trust. It, 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 could, it could be sexually infidelity that breaks the trust of a home. Let me say, when infidelity happens in a home, it's like breaking a mirror. And trying to put it back together, it's impossible. Only God can grab the pieces that were destroyed in a home and put them back together. Any family member could be unfaithful. It's harmful to start. It, it starts a chain that you're either carrying from the fa your fathers or you're starting your own generational curse. It destroys the whole family. And let me tell you something. Nobody wants to talk about it in the home. But it, it, it creates, how, how dare you give me advice when you've broken the trust? The second one I want to talk about is aggression. Any physical, spiritual, or emotional, verbal abuse, or sexual aggression, this disconnects the flow of family. It disconnects the health of the family, the physical abuse. It hurts. It disconnects the family, causes hatred. It causes yelling, anger, cussing. And it destroys your emotions. It's impossible to erase them. It affects the mental health. Uh, 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 of any human. And guess what, parents? The kids are watching you. Wherever, whatever they see, they do. It produces a trauma that stops some normal development of a person. And this breaks a person's boundaries. It causes fear for life. And it makes you vulnerable for life. The next one is abandonment. Abandonment, it, it's, it, it can be physical. It can be emotional. It's a generational abandonment maybe. Maybe it's, it's also, it also substituting parents' pre, uh, presence with, with money. There's some parents that are so poor that all they have to offer their kids is money. Once parents feel that they, they're, they're not there enough, they replace themselves with cell phones and tablets, and abandonment generates anxiety, frustration, anger, and depression. It teaches a generation how to run from, the, from conflict. Some of you are here today and you've, uh, you've abandoned maybe your siblings. You haven't talked to a sister or a brother and you, and you haven't had a conversation with them in years. That's abandonment too. The next one is addictions. Now in the past it was easy to identify addictions. It was a, maybe illegal drugs or abuse or, or, or alcohol. Now a person can be addicted to work. A person can be addicted to medication, to sex, to food, to pornography, to social media, to sports, maybe television. Anything that consumes you in an unhealthy way, it produces stress, exhaustion, pleasures. It represents turning all priorities in, the, in life upside down to concentrate on addictions. What happens when families are disconnected? What are the symptoms? 
communication breaks down. Hatred, bitterness, conflict come in. Everyone thinks that they know what's going on, but they don't. They live on assuming. It's a home with, no, no, with too many rules or a home with no healthy culture. No rules, no limits. Each member lives focused on their needs only. And how to survive in this, in this family or maybe there's an 18-year-old that can't wait, uh, uh, maybe a, a 17, 16-year-old that can't wait till he hits 18 to leave the house. The home is a war zone and fighting, arguing and blaming, no respect. Nobody's taking responsibilities for their actions. It's not a place of refuge. There's no peace here. You can't relax from a crazy world. No shelter here. Everyone wants to escape the house. It's a dysfunctional place. Everyone is hurt and can't forgive. But they also adapt to dysfunction. We've adapted to dysfunction in our family. Why is broken relationships and division part of the human experience? Because all of us can testify that the pain of conflict, if you can't admit it, then you're, you have a lying problem. All of us have conflict in our homes. All of us have conflict in our lives. All of us have, we go through sin. Write this down. Sin is never personal, but it is profoundly social. Sin, it, it, sin is never personal, but it's profoundly social. And I want to give you some ways to cultivate a healthy family this morning. Just like there, there's so many factors to our disconnection as a family, there, there are many ways to heal and connect. Let me give you a couple here. Number one, reconnect with, their, with your language. And Job, he says, the same mouth that destroyed you is going to be the same mouth that heals you. Reconnect with your language. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So start to change the culture of your home using different language. Using language creates relationships, creates feelings, emotions, and responses, and language creates new realities. Language is imp important. Your language, start to create a culture in your home of giving life to your kids or your grandkids. The next one is emotional reconnection. Emotional, where as a father, as a mother, you've lost your emotional connection to your kids. It begins in yourself, man. It begins in the man, in the, in the heart of every man, identifying how I feel. I know a lot of us men, it's hard for us to put our emotions into words and we struggle with that. But understanding the reason that you feel that way. Being in control of your emotions, taking responsibility of your feelings, not letting others in charge of your, of your feelings is incredible. If you can't have a good relationship with yourself, it will be impossible to have a good relationship with others. In other words, it's not possible to love others if you don't love yourself. There comes a point where you have to love yourself. And the reason that you can't give that love to your wife or your children is because you're struggling with your identity and you're struggling to love yourself. All your relationships begin in love. And that intentionally and relational love comes from God. So write this down. In order, to, in order for our relationships to work, we, we must let the one who designed them define them. God defines my relationships. It's, it's not a religious love. This authentic love produces healing in yourself. To build healthy relationships, the healthiest culture you could have in your family is forgiveness. That I can forgive. It reconnects you. The second one is to acceptance. I accept my son and my daughter, my grandson and my grand. I accept them, but, but I, I'm still praying for change in their lives. And I know that I can't change them, but I know somebody that can. 
So I'm going to wait on God to change them. That's acceptance, letting God do the change. The third one is protection. Our family needs our protection. We need to provide security. Do your kids want to come to your home? Or do they they rather go to their Uncle Flip-Flop's house because your house is unsafe? Do they go to my Aunt Ball's house because she's safe over there? Proverbs 14.21 says, Reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. Have you ever seen a home where all the, all the kids down the street come to that home because there's refuge there and it's safe? And the mom and dad can't get all the kids from the block out of their house because it's a safe house. And they're always loving. They're always giving. The next one is spiritual reconnection. This is the most important one. This is not last, but it's the main one. Here is where everything starts. The motor of spiritual reconnection is prayer. It's praying for food. It's being the spiritual leader of your home as a man. Let me tell you something, man. Sometimes we, we, we get it wrong. We're not perfect. We can't walk on water and not scare the fish. We, we struggle, especially to be the spiritual leader in our homes. So, Jesus in the Bible is depicted as a lamb, but he's also depicted as, as a lion. And sometimes when we should be lambs in our homes, we're lions. And we're scaring our family away. And when we should be lions, we're lambs at work. We've got it wrong sometimes. And God wants to tell you this morning that you are the spiritual leader of your home. You speak life into your home. You speak life into your wife. You're the one that does it. So teach your kids and your grandkids how to pray for the food. How to pray in the birthdays. Teach them how to, how to pray in parties and graduations and sickness and weddings and funerals and conflict. Speak life over your kids. Pray over them. Let them know that they have a priest in their home praying over them. A couple of days ago, I was looking at this um, Hall of Fame speech that Dennis Rodman gave. And Dennis Rodman's lived a hard life. But he never, his father was never there for him. His father, he said that his father fathered 56 kids. And he's the oldest one. And right in front of everybody in the speech, he, he told his mom, you were never, never there for me either. I look to connect with you in the future. But one thing he started doing, he started to tell his daughters, the three of them were sitting there in the front. He started telling every one of them, I, I ask for forgiveness as a father. I know I haven't been good to you. So there's something about fathering that got to his heart. There's something about leaving a legacy to his children there was something about that. Do you know that every one of these young men that have gone, gone into our schools and murdered our children, every one of them, not one of them had a father's presence in his life. We don't have a gun problem. We have a heart problem. We have a father f- problem. Because when dad is involved in your life and he's your hero, that changes everything. He's not going to send his son out there to shoot up a school when he's in charge, when he's teaching him how to live life. That doesn't mean he's perfect, but that means he's loving his son. He's teaching him how to fish. He's teaching him how to play baseball. He's teaching him how to drive. And his dad is present in his life. Let me tell you something. God has called us to be the spiritual leaders of our home. In my home, we have some videos that my kids call it daddy's videos that are rated X. If there's one thing I could take back in my life, it would be my words when I was barely up, my, when I became a father. I made videos and I had, so I had a potty mouth. I cussed. 
And my kids would see the videos and they would ask mommy, mommy, is that daddy? I'm not proud of that. God saves your soul, not your body. Your body and your flesh are still going to struggle with sin every day. I struggled with it. I wish I could take back those words. My kids' destiny is in my mouth as I speak life into them. The disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. We must teach our families how to pray in our homes and in public. Why? Because prayer and reading the word of God is how we reconnect as a family. In In other words, you can't have a good marriage if you don't have a good relationship with God. A lot of us are struggling. They're inseparable. You can't have a connection with your family unless God's in it. And it takes wisdom to connect as a family. Look at Proverbs 24.3. It says it takes wisdom to have a good family. And it takes understanding to make it strong. Understanding. And look at that word understanding. is that effort to apply all the truth into the most radical situations that we face as a family. Understanding, Lord, teach me how to apply your understanding into the radical situations of my family. And let me give you an added connection this morning. Connection, connecting grace. We need to connect grace in our families. We need grace in our families. God knows we need grace. We struggle with reconciliation in our families. If there's one thing we struggle with is grace and reconciliation. God took all of your sins in the past and the sins that you continue to commit, and he still forgives us. Look at me this morning. Relationships need the same grace. I'm going to confess to you, I love mayonnaise. I love mayonnaise. It doesn't like me, but I love them. I like to put that bad boy in two pieces of bread and some ham and I, or bologna. I'll eat it that way. But the funny thing about mayonnaise, it's got two agents that don't, that don't mix. It's got water, it's got oil. So they needed an emulsifier. So an emulsifier they, they threw in the egg. And the egg combines the water and the oil, and it, it just combines it and it makes it work. Let me tell you something. Jesus is the emulsifier. He grabs sinful man, and he grabs a holy God, and he emulsifies him and brings reconciliation to us. That's the reconciliation that we need in our families that's the grace that we need in our families. There is not a relationship that you can't stay, you can stay in without grace. You need grace. Why? Because family relationships are hard and they're imperfect. So what do I do? I, I accept that my kids are going to mess up because they are. Jesus died of a broken heart. And every one of your kids and every one of your grandchildren will break your heart. If I hold them in a level of perfection, I'm setting them up for failure. All my kids have blown it big time. But I'm here to tell you that if you don't break away from tradition, you will never have a breakthrough in your life as a parent. There comes a point where you need to break away from tradition. Are you going to discipline your kids like tradition? Like me, my father came from Mexico, and I love him. He's in heaven now. But because he was beaten as a boy, he beat me. And I was beaten hard. My dad whipped me. And what I thought was abuse, it was discipline because I deserved everything. I deserved it. I was, hard. I was a hardhead. My dad did the best he could, and I thank God for that. But I couldn't do that. 
I needed to break through my culture and tradition. Or, 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 will you start a new culture with your son or your daughter, or your grandkids, God, and doing it God's way? Back in 06, I'll never forget it. My son was a sophomore in high school. And one night, my, my wife got up, and it was a Sunday morning. And uh, she, it was raining that night. It was in November. I'll never forget it. And she, as she closed the window, she noticed that my son Andy wasn't in, in bed. And she looked around the house, and he was nowhere. So she came to our bed, and she says, Andy's not in this bed. I go, well, he's probably somewhere. She goes, no, he's not somewhere. He's probably in the road dead. And she's, my, you know how women lose it? Mamas lose it all the time. Hello? My wife was losing it. So I says, hey, let's go back to sleep. Something will happen by the time we wake up. I was sleepy. I love my son too. But what can I do? We started praying. Four or five in the morning, we heard a noise. It was Andy. I go to his room and I say, Andy, what happened? He says, I feel like I'm a prison in your home, Dad. I feel like this is a prison. I feel like I can't do nothing. He goes, so I left with my friends. I go, son, I don't have time to talk to you right now. We'll talk maybe this afternoon. So I took away his cell phone. If you ever want to kill a, uh, your son or your daughter, take away their cell phone. So I took it away. And we went to church that morning, and I didn't know what to do. I was struggling. I go, what do I do? Do I follow tradition? He had already called three aunts. Hey, can I go stay over your house? My dad's going to kill me and throw me out and preach in my funeral. I don't know what to do. So about that afternoon, I, 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 asked, I asked Andy, come into my room. and Me and your mom want to talk to you. He, he sat in my bed. And I'll never forget that summer. God had been dealing with my life. Uh, there was a pastor named Albie Pearson that I went to go speak at his church in Thousand Palms. And, and uh, I spoke, and as I was leaving, Albie says, hey, Georgia, um, I feel that you have a problem with your, with your le left leg. And I go, I do. I have a sciatica. He goes, let me pray for you. He didn't. I never told nobody I had a sciatica. Albie put his hands on my back, and I felt heat go through my back and healing. And I started to cry. And as I, as I walked away, Albie says, hey, George, I'm not done with you. He says, God, God's going to use you as a foot washer. I had never washed feet in my life. In my life. But a John, it says, if you do these things, you shall be blessed. So he says, come back. He goes, you're going to be a foot washer, and God's going to reconciliate your family through foot washing. I says, Albie, I've never washed nobody's feet. So that summer, we were in a, I think it was, it's called One New Man with Jeff Cranford. And we were in a meeting for the Jews. And there was a bunch of Jews in this room, and we were loving on them. And Jeff tells them, hey, we're going to have a foot washing tonight. And I thought in my mind, man, I'm proud of Jeff Cranford. And then we said, Pastor George is going to wash your feet. Whoa. So we started pulling off shoes and started washing feet that day. And it was a powerful, God was just priming me. He was priming me for the real deal. So then that afternoon with my son, I grabbed a bottle of water and, and a towel. And that's where I broke away from tradition. And I did it God's way. I started washing his feet. And I started telling him to ask him to forgive me as a father because I made so many bad mistakes. And I, I started to tell him that I loved him. 
and that he, I am more proud of him now than I ever have been before. And his mom started praying over him, and it was a beautiful moment. He never forgot it. The next day he went and cut his hair. The next day he asked his sisters for forgiveness. It was breakthrough. He never forgot. It changed his life. It changes life. It takes grace. It takes grace and love in our families. Can, can you repeat after me? It takes grace. It, it takes grace. It takes grace. Some of you right now are thinking of running in your marriages from your kids, from your grandkids. They're, they're, they're unbearable, Pastor. I've had so many kids tell me, Pastor, my parents are unbearable. They're control freaks. I can't stand it anymore. A lot of us think that the grass is greener on the other side when we have to water this side and forgive on this side. Every family relationship takes grace. And get this through your head. The devil is trying to destroy your family relationships every day. He's working on it. God is here, and I could feel him this morning. So today, uh, May 29th, listen to me well. God is going to heal some relationships, and it comes through the way of Ecclesiastes 3, 1, and 4. He says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. It's time to be born. It's time to die. It's time to plant. It's time to uproot. It's time to kill. It's time to heal. It's time to tear down. It's time to build. It's time to weep. It's time to laugh. And it's time to mourn. And it's time to dance. Now all of these make sense to me until I get to verse 5. Verse 5 says, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. What does this mean? Well, basically, that's an Old Testament ritual that needs to be, take place in your heart this morning. It comes from Genesis 31. When, 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 uh, when Jacob uh, uh, was with his father-in-law, Jacob had a relational issue with his father-in-law, Laban. Laban. He had to work 20 years for his wife, which was Laban's daughter. Laban was a hard man. He was a hard father-in-law. But Jacob couldn't take it anymore. So he decided to run away with his wives and his herds, and Laban thought about it, and he goes, I'm going to chase that joker down. But one, one night while he was chasing him and his men, he was asleep, and he had a dream. And when an angel tells him through the dream, he, he tells him these words. He says, don't you do what you had planned. Don't you do what you have planned. And God is telling you this morning, don't you do what you have planned. Especially if, if it's divorce. Maybe you may say, I can't take it anymore. Or in marriage, you says, I can't take it no more. Maybe it's suicide. Don't you do what you have planned. But instead, go give them grace. So Jacob is ready to fight his father-in-law. And Laban says these words that need to become our words this morning. In Genesis 1, and 46, come now, he says. Let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. What he was doing is he was building an altar. And he said to his relatives, gather some stones. There's a time to gather stones. You have two options. You take it and throw it at people, at situations, at a husband, at a wife, at a son or a daughter, a grandson. Or you can gather those stones and build an altar and bring it before the Lord and let God change your life. 
You can do either or. So they, what does that do? They took every offense and built an altar with the stones. Look at me this morning. You can throw your stones or you can gather them. You can build an altar. What, what does it look like to, on the other side of that altar? It, it means that you're surrendering to God. When you build an altar, you surrender to God. You do a couple of things there. Number one, you admit your mistakes at the altar. You bring your sin to the altar. All of us are sinners. Number two, you abandon your right to get even with anybody. You abandon that right. We live in a culture where everybody wants to sue everybody. I'm going to get even with you. Ready for this? Christians don't take revenge. We forgive. Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not, they know not what they do. Another thing we do at the altar, we apply God's grace to my relationships. When I get to the altar, I apply God's grace to my relationships. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to let God's grace cover that relationship with that son, with that daughter. Give grace. Maybe the, the stone represents division in your siblings, in your home. Or the stone represents a loved one who you lost and you can't get rid of that. You can't let it go. Maybe the stone represents your past divorce that you talk to everybody and you can't let that past go. Your past abuse. Maybe that stone is your sickness. Maybe that stone is, 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 the, is the season of COVID that you cannot let go. But this happened. But COVID hit. And I'm living in COVID still. And you make all these excuses and you take out a list because COVID destroyed my life. morning as you came in, you got a stone. You could either build the altar or you could cast a stone and hit somebody. We're going to build an altar right here in the theater. If you want to bring it up, you can, if, if you can bring it up, you can. We have some people that are going to bring up some stones. I'm going to be the first one to throw my stone. I'm going to cast it. I'm going to build an altar. And I'm going to ask the Lord to forgive me. I'm going to give up my right to take revenge. And I'm going to give everybody in my life grace because I need it too. Forgiveness is a bridge that all of us have to cross. And maybe you're struggling with it right now. I know all of us are human and we're struggling. But I want to pray for you right now those individuals bring up their stone. If you want to bring it up, fine. If you don't want to bring it up, it's okay. It's, it's kind of hard to move through here. You do whatever you want. Do you know that the person that hurt you does not have to be here for you to forgive him? Do you know that we forgive with the mentality that he or she may hurt me again? Do you know sometimes we, we need to forgive, not for the other person, but for us. I need to forgive. I, I need to forgive, Pastor. I, I need to forgive. Some of us don't forgive because of one word. And that's pride. 1965, there was two chips that wrecked into each other. And hundreds and hundreds of people died. 
They started investigating why did those two ships wreck. They checked up the engine. It wasn't an engine problem. They checked. They checked the tech. All the machines. They checked everything. It wasn't a weather problem. It wasn't a boat problem. Then they looked into the two captains of the ship. And they seen that both of them, seen eye to eye, communicated on the radio. And one of them says, I'm not moving, so you move. And the other one says, I'm not moving either. So those two ships wrecked. And they killed hundreds and hundreds of lives because of one word, pride. God says, can you swallow your pride this morning? And can you come before me? And can you say, Lord, I'm here. I need you. Forgive me. I have had pride and I don't want to admit it. It's always somebody else's problem. It's easy to not take responsibilities for your actions. And you're struggling with your family and your kids and your loved ones and your friends. God says this morning, take responsibility. Give them grace. Because I gave it to you. we bow our heads this morning God I pray in this holy moment that there's an opportunity to scatter and throw stones and there's an opportunity to gather them and build an altar that you would give us the courage that it takes to build an altar that you would give us the courage that it takes to say enough is enough I'm tired of this relationship being this way and today we apply the grace of God in our kids we apply the grace of God in our parents, our grandkids, and the grace of God over our marriages. We build an altar of praise, Lord. When you forgive, there's always a threat of hurting us. I know that. Again, I will forgive whether they ask or not. The person that hurt me does not have to be present for me to forgive them. Every person listening to my voice, I pray that right now you would bring healing, Father, to our hearts. Right here, right now, this next prayer is for those who can't give grace until you receive it. And if you don't know Jesus and you can be honest, God does not demand perfection, but he, he demands honesty. Are you honest? Are you carrying your guilt? Are you carrying your shame from the past? Are you carrying unforgiveness? Jesus wants to forgive you. Can you surrender your life to Jesus this morning? Some of you have walked away from God through this whole process of COVID and you're not going to any church and you're hurt, you're confused and the enemy has made you lazy spiritually. But this morning, God says, come back. I love you. You haven't gone to church for a long time. I'm praying for healing over your life. I rebuke the spirit of pride. Unlock the pain, the hurt, the abuse, the sin, the secrets the deepest and the ugliest past in Jesus' name. I pray this morning, Father, that as we built our altar, that we would examine our own lives. That we would neglect and throw down our vengeance, Lord. That we would apply grace in every relationship I pray for reconciliation over your life right now. That you would go and reconcile families that are hurting right now. And you know who they are. That you would go and reconcile couples and marriages that are waiting for you. Share your story. 
Let them know what you've been through, and God will use you in a great way. But this morning, God is calling you. He's letting you know you're the person that I have in mind. As long as you share your scars, you'll never need any material. Father, bless this morning. Open our eyes to greatness. Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the people that are watching that receive this word of reconciliation and healing and the grace that you give us, Lord. In your name we pray.